What is going on, everybody? Uh, it is Alex Rudinger, and welcome to what I think is going to be the first episode of my podcast, uh, which I think I'm going to call it Rants and Revelations. So if that's what it's called when this comes out, then that is indeed the name that I decided on. Um, so yeah, if you know who I am already, I mean, chances are anybody listening to this right now would know who I am because, uh, you know, you probably, <laughs> you would only have heard of it if you followed me on social media in some capacity. So yeah, um, you guys already probably know who I am. If for any reason there's someone on here that doesn't, uh, I'm a drummer and yeah, that's pretty much my deal is I'm a drummer. I'm a huge nerd. And uh, yeah, I've been toying around with the idea of doing a podcast for a while, uh, mainly because uh, it's 2020 right now. It's October and uh, I'm losing my mind. And this year totally sucks. And I've just been thinking of different stuff I could do um, that might be kind of fun. And a podcast is something I've I've thought about doing for a long time. Um, it seems like a lot of people are doing them nowadays, though, and that's part of the reason I didn't really want to do it. I've kind of always tried to, uh, you know, not just do what everyone else is doing. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, if too many people start doing something, it just seems oversaturated. And I was like, nah, what would, what would I even say on a podcast anyway, you know? Um, but then I started thinking about it more, and I like to talk, for one. Uh, and moreover, this might make me sound like a crazy person, but I uh, oftentimes have dialogues with myself um, when I'm alone, you know, kind of going over different things uh, in life, uh, challenging ideas on morality um, and that sort of thing and reflecting on things that I've gone through and uh, what I've learned. And I'm a very analytical person, over-analytical, really. I overthink things constantly. Uh, and having that kind of awareness is truly a gift and a curse. I mean, uh, it can really come in handy being able to analyze and empathize very, very heavily and deeply uh, but it can also uh, be quite problematic as well. And I guess that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. In general, um, doing this podcast, the one thing I kind of want to do differently from what I've seen a lot of other people do is I don't really plan on doing uh, a podcast where I interview people. You know, maybe I would do that at some point if I keep doing it and people are into this whole thing, but. Uh, to be honest, I just wanted to use it as a way for me to rant about whatever I wanted to rant about. And I figure if I keep doing it, I'll uh, take questions and that sort of thing. Um, if anyone has a specific topic they want to talk about. Um, and it doesn't have to just be drums or music. It can be general life things. And a lot of the times for me, because my life is so heavily saturated in that industry, the two kind of go hand in hand. So anyway, um, I was thinking today, uh, right now, basically, I'm working on learning all the drum parts for the new Whitechapel album. And uh, it's been challenging and fun and also exciting to me. You know, I uh, was a big fan of Whitechapel 
uh, for a long time prior to playing with them. And ironically, I almost did play with them a number of other times throughout the last five or six years, and it never came to pass. There was just something, you know, that came up every time. Like one of the times they reached out to me about filling in, um, I was still doing Good Tiger and I, I would have had to bail on some Good Tiger thing, which obviously, you know, wasn't going to happen. Um, but anyway, maybe I'll get more into that in a bit. But my point is, you know, I, I got asked about doing it a number of times and I always wanted to because I've always liked their music, but it just never worked out. And I kind of thought, you know, it was just never going to work out. It was just a timing thing and, you know, it is what it is. But then lo and behold, a couple of years later and uh, I got the gig, uh, which also for the record was really perfect in that I think and I've said this to all of them, you know, I've talked to them about it because um, they've, you know, thought it's funny as well that I almost did this gig a bunch of times, but then never, you know, never quite got it, never quite worked out timing wise. And uh, and I've said to them, you know, it's it's good that it didn't happen until now, you know, and now being when I first started playing with them, which I mean, I, I can't even remember when I started. It must have been almost two years ago now, I guess, maybe a year and a half. Um, not that we've really done much of anything in 2020, we had a very busy year planned and then COVID, you know, really screwed it up. But, uh, anyway, so part of the reason I think that it's a really good thing that it didn't happen until it happened, um, is that I'm not sure I was the right person for the gig until then. And, uh, meaning not, you know, stylistically, I think, you know, I, I would have done fine, but I think it's more a personal thing. And uh, not that them and I are, are different people, per se, like mor morally or anything like that. Uh, but moreover, you know, <laughs> to be quite frank with you guys, uh, and <laughs> that's another reason I kind of wanted to do a podcast, because it feels like I can be more vulnerable because I'm just like talking alone in a mic. And I don't have to be there for like other people to listen to it. Um, but when I reflect on the last decade, you know, I started touring when I was 18 and I'm 28 now, I'll be 29 next month. So it's been a decade and I could truly be a pain in the ass sometimes. I still can be, but I've learned a lot. And uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about with that is, is, how I could be a pain in the ass when it came to uh, writing and recording and that sort of thing. And uh, if you guys follow my drumming and my work, I'm incredibly intense. Um, I, I think that's pretty clear in, in how I go about just about everything that I do. Um, I'm very intense, I'm very passionate, but that can kind of go overboard sometimes, meaning I often would find myself frustrated with people I was in bands with if they weren't quite on the same wavelength as me. And uh, that didn't always end well. You know, I was never completely disrespectful to people or anything like that, but I definitely historically haven't been afraid to call people out. And that's that can be a good trait. You gotta like know when to stand up for yourself. But, uh, you know, I think there's also a time and a place for it. And I, being a very emotional person, I feel like I didn't historically always um, do that. And I wanted to talk about one of those times specifically um, and how it relates to now. So 
when I was in Good Tiger, uh, when we were doing, uh, was it the first album? We did both those albums at Middle Farm in England. I think it was the second album, actually. So, yeah, I mean, it was a couple years, I guess, before, like a year and a half. No, I guess it was like two and a half, three years before I got the Whitechapel gig. So even as recent as that, um, you know, I could get pretty in my own head about things and not always be uh, kindest to those around me. Um, and now I also want to say to my own credit and is that, you know, I never uh, was mean or rude to people um, for no reason. I, I, I think that I would just be very intensely passionate about something. And sometimes that would, you know, cross with something that somebody else wanted or, or believed was good for a song or whatever. And, uh, you know, there would be an argument, um, not like a big drag out argument where it's super dramatic, but, uh, though this one did get pretty heated. Um, but basically, uh, we were doing that album and we were writing and recording. I mean, we'd already written the whole thing. And, uh, as a drummer, you know, you have to go into the studio a lot more prepared than just about any other instrument. Sure. You can do punch-ins and that sort of thing, but if you want to do, that instrument justice in the studio, you have to go in fairly prepared. And uh, it's it's not as easy to make punch-ins work uh, as it is with guitar bass. And I mean, it is still, you can still punch in, you know, every couple bars if you really had to. But in my opinion, when you start doing punch-ins quite that regularly, you lose a lot of the feel of the performance and stuff. Um, but that's the nature of the instrument. You know, it's a multi-microphoned instrument. And not just multi-microphones, but a lot of microphones. I think on the Good Tiger albums, we ran something like 30 lines or something like that. Um, but in that album, we were working with a producer, Forrester. And uh, Forrester Saville, uh, he's Australian. He did like the Carnival Records and the Dead Letter Circus albums. And we also worked with Nolly, Adam Nolly Gitgood. Um, and they kind of co-produced and co-engineered the whole thing. So... Those guys, um, without telling me, one of the last days I was there, uh, I had written this fill for this one song, and it was pretty out there in hindsight. It was like a pretty wild fill, um, and we were listening to one of the songs, because uh, I think Elliot was working on vocals, and we were listening to that one, and it came to that part, and the fill was gone. And I was like, what? And, and like Morgan and Forrester looked at me like with this weird, like sneaky look. And basically they had taken it out without telling me they, they comped something from another part of the song, um, without telling me. And that really like, basically I identify so heavily with my instrument, which is something else I could probably spend a long time talking about. Cause I have a lot of opinions about that conceptually and, uh, how it can be a good thing, but much like this can also be a bad thing. Um, it felt like an attack, uh, because like for starters, Morgan and I oftentimes butt heads, um, with that said, you know, I still got mad love for the guy, all those guys. Um, but him and I definitely were very different people. And, uh, I didn't like, it wasn't so much in the moment that I disliked that they wanted to take the fill out. Uh, though it definitely was that too, because at that point, even then, I had like a vision for, for what I wanted to do. And it was very hard for me to relinquish that control. Um, and that is really the focal point of, of what this podcast is about is like this particular episode anyway, is, is relinquishing 
control in, in those types of situations um, and being okay with it. And, and basically, I was not down, you know, and, and basically it was, it was because they didn't tell me and they tried to just like sneak it in and uh, it really pissed me off and I got upset about it um, and kind of threw a fit, um, relatively speaking. Um, and, you know, after the initial moment happened and I calmed down, um, you know, we all talked about it and I guess they agreed that they shouldn't have done it without asking me um, or at least talking to me about it, you know, but I very much was like, man, I didn't mean to overreact like that. And one of the really remarkably great thing things about those guys and part of the reason uh, to me that I, I know Good Tiger didn't work out for me, but I needed to be in that band. Um, those guys, those four human beings, Elliot, Joe, Morgan, and Dez, um, were the best people I could have been in a band with, especially at that time in my life. They did a lot for me, uh, you know, as a person, most importantly. Um, I was, you know, coming off of a, of a period in my life where I had been in a couple different bands in and out of and had some really bad experiences. Some of those experiences I've never really talked about because I feel like it's not people's business. But to give you an idea, the one that I have talked about a little bit um, and only because he's talked about it publicly now is uh, the member, the main guy in The Faceless, Michael Keane, in his heroin addiction and, and him kind of going in and out of drug use, you know. I, that was going on the whole time I was in that band and it was, you know, that was a very stressful thing to, to work with. And, um, and I really haven't ever said much about it because frankly, I, I don't feel like it's my place to, but, um, at any rate, I had had some bad experiences and really was just kind of broken. You know, I, I felt like after being in and out of a number of bands, I felt like I was the problem, you know, and, it definitely had an effect on me mentally. Um, and I wanted to be in a band with guys that I trusted and I did trust those guys. And that was really, really important to be in a band with people that I trusted. And man, I made the right call doing that. Even if it didn't work out long-term, the biggest, most important thing about those guys is I trusted them so much as friends that uh, they were very patient with me. They understood the kind of person I was, they understood that even if I got emotional or intense, um, it was with good intentions. Meaning, you know, even that part with the fill, like I, I wasn't, it's like I wanted the fill to be there. In the moment, I was definitely upset, like I said, because they did it without asking me. But I also firmly believed at the time, in hindsight, I don't so much, but at the time, I firmly believed that that fill was important to the song. And I worked really hard on it. And you know, I wouldn't have learned it and executed it the way I did if I didn't believe in it. And uh, I wanted it to be there. So that was, uh, you know, one thing that they really recognized about me is that I could have my moments, but it was never from a bad place. You know, it was because I cared. And uh, but the biggest thing there is that those guys understood that and were patient with me if I did ever get in my own head or overthought something or kind of uh, got irritated about something. You know, they were patient with me and Des especially would talk to me, you know, and we'd, we'd uh, have talks after something like that. And uh, 
you know, talk about why, you know, I reacted that way or I don't know, you know, that they just helped me um, be more self-aware and, and understand how my reactions, my actions and my reactions to things um, can affect other people and to be more cognizant of it. And that was a really big thing for me. I feel like I wouldn't have gotten that kind of patience from a group of guys uh, from any other group of guys, really. Those guys were patient with me and and that's what I needed at that point in my life. Um, you know, they helped me learn a lot about myself and, and in turn that has made me a better person. So, you know, it sucks sometimes when I think about the fact that things for me with that band didn't work out and that um, it just didn't go in the direction I wanted it to and, and stuff like that. Um, but I'm still so thankful uh, that I got to do it because those guys really did a lot for me as a human being. So, uh, and, and to come full circle here a little bit, um, part of the thing was recently that I, I felt like that experience of doing that album and, and everything, you know, that particular, uh, specific experience with me getting upset about that drum part. Um, I felt like, I recently just really felt this, uh, like I really learned from it all of a sudden because, uh, you know, I've done an album since then. I did the Intronaut album, but that that album was a little bit different. It was super prog and they were super into me doing really far out there stuff. So it wasn't a big deal. Um, but now I'm doing this Whitechapel album and it's a little bit different, you know, it's, it's very much one. And I like this about the Whitechapel guys there. It's a, it's a group effort, you know, it's a, it's a band's thing. You do whatever, you know, at least their mentality is do whatever is best for the song. And, uh, I liked that a lot. And I wanted when I, I recognized that in them very early on, even before I was confirmed for doing this album with them and stuff, you know, they were very much like a team mentality. And, uh, so I kind of said to myself before I even started working on any of this stuff, I was like, that's the approach I'm going to have for this album. Even if there are times where I, you know, really think that a part should be a certain way, I'm not going to let myself overreact, you know, even if it comes down to in the studio, something I've worked really hard on, um, learning. And then Mark Lewis, the guy that's going to be engineering the drums and stuff is like, now nah, that part sucks. Let's cut it out or whatever. Um, even if that happens, I'm just going to roll with it. And, uh, you know, even I was, I was down in Tennessee a couple weeks ago with them. Um, I went down, you know, it's funny. I primarily went down, uh, really just because my sister, uh, came to stay at our house and she has a newborn baby and, uh, there was a baby here. So I, I didn't feel right practicing drums with a baby here. And, I knew that Mark Lewis was coming down to Tennessee to start doing guitars. We're actually doing guitars first for the album. We're, we're doing drums last, which is uh, something else that a lot of bands are doing, and I could spend a lot of time talking about that. There are good reasons for doing drums last, even if it seems like it doesn't make sense to a lot of you. Um, but I'll talk about that another time. At any rate, I knew Mark was coming down there and he, they were going to start guitars, and they all said it would be cool if I was around for kind of like going over the final uh, versions of the demos, um, 
with the producer and, and everything. So I was like, yeah, that works out. I'll come down there. I brought my drums with me and I used their practice space so I could still practice, even though my sister was, you know, here at home. Uh, so I drove down there and, and we were going over the stuff. One of the last days I was there, um, listening through with Mark and, uh, <laughs> it's so funny, man. There was this one part where like we were listening through and Mark was kind of like, he said something about this one part I wrote, uh, not really being good. Um, you know, but Mark's a little bit more blunt than that and, and not in a bad way. He was like, yeah, that part's kind of, kind of sucks. And, uh, and the funny thing is I don't even think, I think if he heard me play it, he wouldn't even necessarily think that because it was kind of, you know, I, I don't go to the kind of effort that some people might for doing demo drums. Like I don't try to make every hi-hat articulation perfect because it's like a demo and I don't really care so much about drum programming. It's just something I do as a tool. Um, but I, I realized in that moment that if somebody had said that to me like four or five years ago, I would have gotten this very fight or flight kind of feeling, you know, this emotion internally where like I start almost panicking because again, I think that, um, I identify so heavily with what I do that when someone says that something is bad, it, it comes off as like a personal attack because of my identity being so wrapped up in it. And, uh, you know, I didn't get that feeling when Mark said that. In fact, if I remember correctly, all I said was like, yeah, dude, like whatever it takes, man, like we'll change it. We'll do whatever. You know, if that's a part that you just want to like work out in the studio, cool. Like we'll figure it out. Um, and I didn't really think much of it in that very moment, but uh, when I got home, I was talking to my mother about it. My mom and I have always been really close, talked about all kinds of stuff. Um, which I'm very thankful for to have such a phenomenal parent. Um, but I was talking to her about it and I, I was kind of like, man, you know, I, I was like proud of myself uh, for being able to, as silly as it might sound to some of you guys, like being able to just like roll with it and uh, roll with something like that, you know, any changes. Cause keep in mind at this point and in this particular song that we were listening to, I, uh, I had already pretty much learned this song. So I've now, you know, I've spent time on learning these parts. So then for somebody to just kind of nonchalantly say, oh, that sucks, we're going to have to change that, you know, maybe you can see, maybe not, but maybe you can see like how somebody, especially as intense as I am, could kind of take some offense to that. But I didn't. And uh, I realized that, you know, he's not saying he didn't like it because of me, you know, at all. He's literally just saying it because he doesn't think it's what's best for the song. And that's the whole point here is that um, it's not a personal attack. It's just what's best for the song. And to be able to kind of like be as aware of that now as I am makes me feel like I've actually progressed as a person. And uh, that's kind of why I say, uh, you know, it's good that I didn't join or start playing with Whitechapel up until when I did because you know, the good tiger thing, like if I had overreacted the way I did when I was in that band with any other group of guys, I think they would have all like gotten together afterwards and been like, yo, <laughs> what the hell is his deal? You know, and it might've been me being kicked out or something, you know? So, um, and thankfully that didn't happen. Thankfully they understood, uh, that it wasn't, anything except me being intense and passionate. And they were patient enough with me 
to help me learn and uh, improve and and help me. They they were the kind of constructive criticism that I think not enough people uh, do. Which you know that's what they did for me. And and what I mean by that is like they they uh, how how do I say this? Um, they helped me realize it instead of you know punishing me, quote unquote, like, you know, the punishment there would be like them being like, yo, man, like, we're gonna kick you out if you don't stop doing shit like that or something, you know, instead of going the punishment route, which feels even more like an attack, they went the communication route and, and tried to help me. And I, I think that that's incredibly important. You know, I think there's a way of being able to disarm, you know, someone or, or have an, a constructive argument with someone uh, about anything, um, but really helping them be more aware, you know, and you kind of have to like relate to the person that you're having a conversation with and make sure uh, there are ways to kind of do it. It's funny, man, because I, I, I feel like I do this without even being aware of it. But um, if you have a differing view about something with someone, it helps to first, you know, uh, try and see it from their perspective and, and relate to it that way. And and do it genuinely, you know, it's not something you can really fake. And, uh, if you fake it, it's just going to come off that way. And, uh, you know, that's how they were with me though. They, they helped me and, uh, yeah. So it just felt good to kind of realize in the last week or two, like how far I've come with that kind of thing. Uh, because really like for this new Whitechapel album, all I want to do is write the best songs. I don't give a damn about anything else, you know? Um, and there might be albums where I would feel less that way, uh, with other bands or something, but like, you know, that's this gig and that's a big part of this industry and being a professional is, is playing for the gig. You know, they want it to be all about the song. They want it to be a group effort. And, and I respect the hell out of all of them. And I want to do whatever they feel is best. They're the ones that have been in a band for, you know, over 10 years together, the five of them. I'm the new guy and, you know, technically I'm, I'm the session guy and, you know, that's the gig. So like, I'm happy to do it and I'm happy that I'm not uh, as emotional about things like that as I used to be. And I think in the end, the results will be better. Uh, the album process will be better. Um, and another example of this is, I don't actually know if uh, I can say what band it is, but I, I, I just remembered I've actually done another album uh, since that Good Tiger album. I, I worked, I, I don't even think I can tell you guys what it is yet. It's funny because I think if COVID hadn't happened, this album would already be out now because it's definitely done. Uh, but I did an album, a session job out in LA uh, right before COVID happened. In fact, when I was in LA, after we had finished tracking, I was flying home the next day. That was when uh, we heard that they had just found the first case of coronavirus uh, at LAX in Los Angeles. So that I was literally there like, well, actually, I, I ended up going out to Vancouver like a few days later to do Drumeo. But like, it was all, you know, starting up right at that point. Those were like the last couple trips I went on before this year happened. And uh so anyway, I did this album. I don't think I can tell you guys uh, what it is yet. Um, it's definitely not announced, but I'm I'm thrilled to have done it. It's a cool album. Uh, the vocalist 
especially was in one of my favorite bands growing up. And I think the songs are phenomenal. Um, but it was, again, it was a session and it was, uh, they're kind of like more mainstream songs, but still metal and super, super, super well done. Uh, unbelievably catchy. I can't even believe it. I, I'm excited for people to hear that album. Um, but anyway, uh, I tracked 12 songs in two days. And I've, I mean, I've always been relatively efficient in the studio. The only thing that has ever uh, slowed me down, and for the record, I've been efficient because I always go in prepared, but the only thing that's ever slowed me down in the studio is myself. You know, uh, even when I tracked with Mark Lewis, when I did the Conquering Dystopia album back in like 2013 or 14, whenever that was, and whenever I've tracked with Nolly, those guys, you know, Nolly especially would be like, dude, that was a killer take. Let's move on. And I, I, I remember on the first Good Tiger album, especially, I would be like, no, like I, I basically would have too much pride. Like he'd be like, that was great. And I'd be like, yeah, but this little part, the timing was a little bit weird. And he, he would be like, dude. I know, but the drums themselves sound great, and I can fix that easily with a really minor slip edit, and we, you know, save the tonal quality of the drums that way. And I was like, no, I, I don't feel right about that. You know, basically, my pride would get in my own way, and uh, that's not a good thing either. And, and the thing is, like, in that moment, I, it would be so hard for me to... Uh, disconnect from that. You know, I, I, my pride and my emotions would come up and I would just be like, no, like, I don't want to have to let somebody edit my playing. And, you know, Nolly and I even had conversations about that at different points. And he'd be like, dude, it's like, you know, you and I, like, I've seen you drum in person. I've recorded you multiple times. Like, I know you can do it, you know, but just because like, you don't do it perfectly that time. If I can fix it with a minor edit, just that one note, like, you know, we save, time we save drum heads the tuning is better between punches etc cetera, etc cetera. um and he's absolutely right you know and uh i wish i would have uh accepted that a lot sooner than i did but i let my pride really get in the way of myself a lot you know i think um every time i've recorded with nolly we could have done it in a quarter of the time if i had just trusted him and his instinct um and it feels awful now to think to myself that i think a, a part of me didn't trust him, but it was definitely more my pride. But, you know, I just felt like, no, I need to do this the way I hear it in my head and I'm not going to rest until I do it that way. And, and that's such an over-the-top extreme that just does no one any good, especially not myself. So anyway, this album I did in LA um, was the first time I'd done an album. Let me think. Well, the Intronaut album was that way too, but this album especially, the Intronaut album I was like pretty damn prepared for. And it was all like my original parts and I wrote pretty much whatever I wanted for that album. But this was a session job and uh, I didn't have a lot of time to prepare. So I was still reading sheet music for the entire thing. And then I, <laughs> I basically like, I played the stuff well, like I, all the hits, the you know, that's a big thing for me. A, a lot of people don't realize, I think, that um, dynamic is just as big of a part of feel as the actual timing is. And a big part of my feel, I think, is my dynamics and how I actually hit drums. So the way I was hitting drums, I think, was good. The tonal qualities of the drums were good. But there were a couple parts 
Uh, a lot of parts on that album where my timing was a little shaky, not bad, but just a little bit shaky because again, I just didn't know these songs that well, but the hits were there, you know, everything made sense. Nothing I was playing didn't make sense. Uh, it was not sloppy in that capacity at all. Um, but I just rolled with it. Like I listened to, uh, I, can I tell you guys who did the, um, uh, well, Josh Gilbert, um, from as I lay dying, he was engineering it, um, as well as some other people, but I just don't know how much information I can say. Uh, but you know, basically he would be like, that was sick. Let's move on. I'd be like, are you sure? I heard this one thing timing wise that didn't feel quite right. I'm pretty sure. And that's the other problem is I've recorded myself so many times that I'm very aware of how, what I'm doing is going to translate under microphone. So if I play something a certain way, I know how it's translating and I can already tell. Um, and he'd be like, yeah, I heard that, but like, I can fix that. No problem. The, the quality, the tonal quality of the drums, the hits, they all sound really good. Let's move on. And that was the first experience I had where somebody would say something like that to me. And I was like, you know what? All right, I trust you. Let's just go for it. Let's keep going. And, uh, you know, I didn't let my pride affect that. I trusted the engineer, the producer, and I rolled with it. And sure enough, you know, that experience was for one, uh, a breeze and fun because of that, like a lot of fun. Uh, I had a really, really good time doing that album. And, uh, man, I'm, it sucks that I can't tell you guys what it is yet, but, um, a lot of fun doing that album. And moreover, the producer and engineer, like they were, uh, I don't, it's hard for me to like objectively say this, I guess, but uh, I feel like I'm bragging, but they, you know, were like, I've never tracked a drummer that good. Like you were so on it and like, you just are going to ruin every other drummer I ever track, you know? Um, I know one thing I did catch one thing that they were really impressed on. They punched me somewhere and I started playing and I knew we were trying to get this one thing. And, uh, I stopped like really quickly and I was like, Oh, you know what? Uh, let's do that again. Start it like a bar too earlier because there's a fill coming out of that. And I know that if I don't play that fill going in to get this punch, that the sustain of the toms might not be there and it'll be harder to comp in. And I remember Josh or somebody being like, God damn, like he's so like referring to me, like that I was so aware of, of how recording works. You know, I've had so much experience doing it on my own that, you know, I thought of something that they didn't even think about. Like they were kind of like, wow, like he's right. You know, like he should do that fill coming into that part because the Tom sustain, you know, it, you probably could still make a punch and work, but you know, it was that over analysis of it, you know, just being aware of it and trying to like make sure it's as sick as possible. They really appreciated that. And, uh, that made me feel really good. It made me feel like, you know, things like that, that I overanalyze, uh, can be a really good thing. Um, and it impressed them and, and they enjoyed tracking me because I was willing to like roll with things and the entire experience was just good. And, you know, I'd be willing to bet that they would, you know, if some other session thing came up, they'd recommend me for it. And they would do so probably because, uh, I had a good attitude and I was prepared. And, uh, whereas, you know, I don't know this for a fact, but, you know, after that experience, uh, on the second good tiger album, uh, working with Forrester, you know, when I got upset with him and, and Morgan, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think Forrester would go out of his way to recommend me for a gig. You know, I kind of acted like an ass, to be frank. 
And uh, it's hard, you know, sometimes to admit that kind of thing. But the reality is, is everyone in their life acts like an ass, you know, everyone does stuff they're not proud of and does stupid stuff. And it's not what you do, you know, that stuff can't define you. It's, it's what you do from it. You know, it's, it's where it's what you do with those experiences. Meaning, you know, if you were an ass and you didn't become aware of it and you didn't learn from it, then that's, that's a problem. But, you know, if you are that way and you are aware of it and then you do, you know, actually try to make a change from it and learn from it, then it's still a positive thing. And that's why I feel like I can openly say that, like, I feel that during that experience, I was an ass and I don't, I could be wrong. Uh, I know Forrester thought I was a good drummer, but I think, you know, in that moment, uh, he probably didn't like me very much, you know, um, because it was, and I go back and forth because I do still think that they should have, you know, told me, um, that they were changing that fill, but Forrester even did say, then he was like, honestly, dude, like I would have told you, I just didn't think it was that big of a deal. It's what was best for the song, you know? So in other words, like his perspective was that, oh yeah, let's take out that fill. He didn't even think of how I would react to it. It wasn't even remotely about me. And I made it about me because I identify so heavily with what I do. And, you know, so I think if he knew the kind of person I was, he might've been like, Hey, are you okay with us? Like, you know, taking this out. And then I might've been more receptive to it, but it was, uh, you know, it's not really his fault that he didn't know me. How would he know me? I'd only been with him out there in the studio for like a week and a half or something. I didn't know him that well. And he didn't know me that well. So, uh, in other words, I shouldn't have reacted the way I did. And I could be wrong, but you know, one experience compared to another, you know, I had this great experience with Josh Gilbert and that band and that engineer and producer. And I know that they were impressed and I'd love to work with them again. And they've made it abundantly clear that they'd love to work with me again. Whereas on the flip side, you know, four or five years ago now, uh, working with Forrester, you know, maybe someday I'll have a chance to redeem myself or whatever. But, um, you know, it's funny. I did talk to him sometime after that and, uh, you know, like, I know he doesn't hate me or anything like that, but I just wish I could do that experience over again. But that doesn't mean it was a negative experience. I learned from it and I needed it to happen. And that perspective is, is very important to have that kind of perspective. So anyway, um, yeah, when working on this new Whitechapel album, it just feels good to know, you know, that to not only go into it with the perspective of like, I'm going to do whatever is best for the song, but to be able to like go into it with that perspective and ideal and not feel even remotely like threatened by it or, or not feel like any personal attack by it. And it might sound really stupid to some of you guys, but like, I am an intense guy. I take what I do seriously and I always have, I very much like drums and enjoy, uh, recording a lot. And because my identity is so wrapped up in it, I do, get too emotional sometimes. But, uh, so for me, you know, being able to actually admit all of that and, and not only go into it with those ideals, but also, you know, genuinely feel them like already, like, I just know when I get into the studio, it's going to be just like when I did that album with Josh Gilbert, like it's whatever is best for the song. And, uh, I'm excited about that. I can't wait to see or hear, what the final product is. Um, I haven't heard any 
of what Phil's written or done. And uh, being that I'm a huge fan of his work, I have no doubts uh, that he will do a phenomenal job. I love everything he's done with Whitechapel. I mean, it's his band, really. Um, but I just like his voice a lot, and I like his lyrics. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of lyrics. <laughs> like, lyrics and, and vocals, I'd say next to drums, you know, vocals and lyrics are like the thing I listen for a lot in metal. I know there are a lot of people out there that like don't understand metal because like they're like, oh, it's screaming. But man, if you are into that stuff, like there is something about like someone who has a really good metal vocal and then is like executing really good lyrics on top of that, like the emotion from that. Oh, man, it, it gets me. Um, yeah, I love that shit. But yeah, Phil is the bomb. I look forward to hearing all the songs with vocals. I cannot wait to track drums for it. And I'm glad to know that uh, I've grown enough as a person um, to have that kind of excitement for the album uh, without, you know, having this weird sense of pride or, or you know. And, and for the record, guys, like, none of that means I'm very, I think this is the other reason I might over have overreacted at times in the past is that because in the nature of the instrument you have to be more prepared like i'm busting my ass over here learning these songs and a lot of the parts they're difficult parts i'm putting in a ton of time um and basically you know i if i go in the studio and somebody says like yeah let's get a let's get rid of that fill in that part or whatever you know it very well could be a fill or a part that i spent a lot of time working on and that was the thing that used to really piss me off or upset me when I was a little bit younger is it would be like, you know, could somebody have told me this earlier, like before I spent hours working on it? Um, and I guess I kind of had to make peace with the fact that that's just how drums are. In an ideal world, would I love it if every guitar player and every other, you know, instrument player really understood concretely how, you know, long you have to put in the work on drums, like to get something like that up for then somebody to just be like, now nah, let's cut it out. Um, sure. But like, that's just, that's the nature of drums, you know, like you can program something, but it, it's like, it's gonna sound different when you're actually doing it. And sometimes you just don't know until you're in the studio. So even if you've prepared a shitload and put in a lot of time, it doesn't mean that's something you worked on completely, uh, is even going to make it, you know? And that's just, it's just the instrument. It's just how it is. I mean, it goes that way for every instrument really, but I just think with drums, it's, uh, I guess because it's so physical and that kind of thing, you know, you, you put in a lot of time and energy and, uh, you know, especially because of my intensity, it would bum me out or make me even angry when I was a little bit younger, when somebody would just kind of cut something out or, or want something gone after I'd put in so much time. But, uh, for this album, I'm very okay with that. Like, I'm busting my ass, but I'm busting my ass gladly because it doesn't matter how much time I put in, even if, you know, 50% of what I wrote and am learning for whatever reason didn't make it on the album, like, I'm okay with that. And to know that I'm okay with that is badass. Like, it feels good. And, uh, you know, because none of it's in vain, I'm just trying to do what I think is best for the song. And... Honestly, I mean, I don't think the songs are going to change that much between now and when I track drums and stuff. And I don't think what ends up, you know, making it on the album is going to be that different. But uh, even if it were, is what I'm saying, is, is I'm fine with that. Because all we all want the same thing. We all want 
what is best for the song and what makes the most killer album. So it just makes me feel good to know that like, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I can, which is everything I can to make sure the parts that I currently have written, uh, and that they've all heard obviously and, and stuff in the programmed versions and the demo versions, uh, I'm going to learn them to the best of my ability. I'm going to get them nice and tight and be prepared on them. Know the songs in and out. And if anything changes in the studio, whatever, whatever is best for the songs. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just feels good to, to be so like stoked about that and not be too prideful or yeah, I don't know, man, there's just something about that kind of personal growth. I don't know if, uh, what I'm saying necessarily even makes sense, but, uh, yeah, it just feels good. So let me see what else is going on out there. Uh, in general, I also just want to talk shit on this podcast, not talk shit like about anyone or anything, just talk about whatever, um, I have not been posting online a whole lot lately. I've been trying to avoid the news and as such, I've just been kind of, uh, not posting. Um, I'm sure I will start posting again more frequently at some point, but, uh, goddamn, I just want this year to be over. Uh, and I want, you know, a vaccine for coronavirus and to be able to go back on tour would certainly be nice. Um, but otherwise I've been watching the NBA finals a little bit. Um, I did not watch tonight's game. Maybe that's why the Lakers lost. Oh man. Um, and yes, I'm sorry to anyone listening. I am a Lakers fan right now, uh, because the reality is, is I'm a LeBron fan. And in my defense, I was not, when LeBron was first in Cleveland, I was kind of like, all right, quick backstory here. I was really into basketball when I was a kid. And then I kind of wasn't anymore because I became a musician and I got that like teenage arrogance where I'm like, oh, I'm a musician. I'm too cool. Like, I don't like sports, you know? And then in my early 20s, I was like, wait a minute, basketball is fucking sick. So I got back into it. Now I follow it like crazy. You know, I follow players and stats and I don't really have like a favorite team. But basically when LeBron went back to Cleveland after he was in Miami, that's when I was like, all right, screw it. Like... I'm going to be a LeBron fan. I'm going to root for Cleveland. And uh, goddamn, the 2016 NBA Finals was the best series I've ever watched. It was unbelievable Um, to see LeBron put that team on his back. And, I mean, he had help, but, like, he really took them to that finals, um, to that championship. And, you know, to bring them back from that 3-1 deficit, holy shit, man. Uh, It was badass. So... Yeah, in general, like I'm just a LeBron fan as well. You know, I'm I'm also a fan of a lot of other players. I really like, um, uh, what's his name? I really like Joel Embiid in the 76ers. I, I feel like the 76ers. I mean, clearly, you know, they they fucked up a little bit not keeping Jimmy Butler. I think you know because Butler took that team to the finals this year, and I think there are a lot of people out there that um, would love to see the heat win the finals. Um, just out of principle, people that are kind of tired of seeing LeBron win or whatever, um, or feeling like the Lakers are sort of overpowered because Anthony Davis and LeBron on one team. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, I felt like, you know, it was no different than golden state having Steph and clay and Kevin Durant and, oh man, that just was boring as hell. But, um, anyway, yeah, the, I, I was I would like to see the Lakers win, especially because of the passing of Kobe Bryant this year. I just think it would be like, you know, perfect uh, for that franchise to win this year. And 
Uh, surprisingly, the Heat took the game tonight. After game two, I was kind of like, man, I think the Lakers are just going to sweep them. But now I'm kind of thinking, oh, I mean, they already got one win. I mean, you know, a series can turn around quick, you know, a best of seven series. I mean, they were down 2-0, you know, earlier today. If they win the next game, the series is tied and it's basically a best of three, you know, so anything can happen really. Um, but I personally would like to see the Lakers win. Um, pretty cool playoffs. Other than that, I really like, you know, that the league is a little bit more competitive right now than it was in the last several years. Um, you know, I, I, I wish like, you know, I would love to see like Russell Westbrook and James Harden, you know, take the rock. I was, I don't know. I just, I mean, I wanted the Lakers to win it all anyway. I've wanted that, but I just, I've always liked Russell Westbrook, even if he has been, you know, not shooting as well in the last year or two, but, uh, you know, there's just a lot of talent all over the league. Um, I loved seeing Toronto win last year, although like it was also bittersweet just because like I felt like even at the time I was like, he's not going to stay in Toronto. And sure enough, he went to the Clippers. But so anyway, uh, I like basketball a lot. Um, it's another thing I enjoy paying attention to. Probably going to rant about that on this podcast plenty. Um, anything else? What else have I been doing? I don't know, man. I've been, uh, I went back to the gym once actually, and that was fucking, I don't know, man. Like I wish I, I want to go back more, but like, dude, I wear my mask. Y'all can tell me if you think I'm crazy. Um, maybe I'll make like a specific email for this so it doesn't clutter up like my main email. But if you have anything to say for now, you can just email me at alexrudinger at gmail.com. But anyway, I went back to the gym I keep my mask on the whole time. Like even if I do cardio, which I only do if it's late at night and there's like no one in the gym um, right now, I mean, because of COVID, but uh, I keep the mask on during when I'm running, you know, it's harder to breathe. Sure. But like, I don't know, I guess I figure, Hey, it's a good challenge. Might as well just keep it on and uh, you know, safer, you know, better safe than sorry, I guess. Um, but God, the amount of people in the gym that are just like, you're supposed to have your mask on at all times unless you're doing an exercise, then you can take it off. But if you're walking anywhere or if you're close to someone, you're supposed to have it on and hella people just don't pay attention to that rule. And it's like, yo, I, I mean, here's the thing at this point in 2020, given the state of politics, as well as just everything in general, I don't know what the hell to fucking believe anymore. I really don't like, I just am. My mind is blown sometimes by shit that has gone on this year it's not so much that I think I would necessarily even die if I got the virus, you know, uh, maybe I, but that's the other thing is like, maybe I could, you know, there are people in my age bracket that have, is it as likely? I think very much no, but it's not just me that I'm worried about. It's the fact that like I rent the basement of my mother's house. That's where I live right now until I can afford my own place, which that's another thing I could talk about. I was going to buy a house, uh, I really want to 2020 messed up my plans majorly and has been a major setback, but hopefully I can soon. Um, but anyway, like, you know, a lot of the times I stay at this house alone, but my mom is here as well. A lot of the time, you know, and, uh, right now she's not, she's in Annapolis. That's where her husband lives. And basically I, I stay here for very cheap in exchange for kind of like looking after the place and it's where I've lived. And, uh, you know, my mom is, 60 i think she, is she 61 now no i think she's 60 so you know that's an age range that is 
more likely to be affected by this virus. Like, God forbid if I got it and gave it to her, you know, like I'm not just concerned about myself. So like, you know, I just, I can't believe like these fucking people like just walking around with no mask. I'm just like, y'all, like I get it. It sucks, but like it doesn't even, it's not that big of a deal to me to just keep a mask on. <laughs> and especially at the gym, my whole perspective is like, you're here to like work hard anyway and like challenge your body. Like, even if it is a little bit harder to breathe, like, why don't you just look at it as a challenge, you know? Uh, so anyway, my point is, I don't know if I'm going to keep going back, uh, at least not that often, because I just am sketched out by it right now. Maybe that's an overreaction. It very well could be. But, uh, you know, I will say that, man, I fucking miss it. Uh, man, I've put on like 10 pounds this year. You know, uh, I mean, I know some of y'all could tell a little bit because people were like calling me fat on my latest YouTube videos, which is just fucking mean. I can't believe like... <laughs> I just can't believe the internet sometimes, but whatever, you know, I, uh, I've always been able to lose and gain weight very easily. So it's not like I'm super worried about it, but, uh, yeah, I just, I like being physically active and I like going to the gym and lifting weights. So it's been a bummer to not be able to do that as much. I do have some weights here, uh, but I can't get the same kind of workout. And it's also, you know, if anyone out there is anything like me, it's, it's very hard to get as motivated when you're like, uh, stuck at home, it's hard to be like, all right, I'm going to put on my workout clothes and go to the other room and work out. It's like, yeah, I, I can do it, but there's just something about like going out to the gym. It also made me realize just how, you know, I'm self-employed. So like when I'm not touring and stuff, I'm working from home. And, uh, man, that's another thing that's driven me crazy about 2020 is like, this is the longest I have been home without going anywhere in the last decade. And I'm not used to that. And it's making me lose my mind. But um, yeah, anyway, I, I don't know, you know, like, for me, a lot of like, I don't see people a lot. I used to be really extroverted, but I'm incredibly introverted now. I can go days on end without seeing people. And like, really be totally content. And I think there are some reasons for that. I'll save it for another time. But, um, I took that Myers Briggs thing like many years ago and I got ENFJ, which is extroverted. And then I retook it like a year ago, uh, for the first time in years. And I got INFJ and I was like, wow, that's interesting. Like, and it very much made sense. You know, it reflected the change in how I interact with people, but I don't get a ton of social interaction and it doesn't bother me. And I do a lot when I'm on tour. And I guess that's another reason I never thought that much of it because like, I felt like, Oh yeah, I, I spend a lot of time alone when I'm home, but I'm also, when I'm out on tour, I'm, I'm surrounded by people 24 seven for weeks. So it kind of makes sense that I need like that decompression time or whatever. Um, but I don't know. It, it just, it, it's crazy how I, I didn't realize just how important the small interactions I had had with people when I was home, uh, made a difference to my like mental well-being. Like sometimes the most I would talk to people over the course of a week would be like, you know, especially if I'm here at the house alone for a period of time, like in a general week, like I'd go to the gym, maybe make small talk with some random people there or the guy that's at the front, uh, and then I stop by Chipotle. I eat a lot of Chipotle. I'm not going to lie to y'all. 
Um, I always go in at the same time, like, like 30, 40 minutes before they close, which, you know, sometimes I would feel bad about with most restaurants, but I like got a rapport with like some of the people that work there and I would go in there late and they always, you know, I'd talk with them and I got to know some of them and it was like, you know, it was all pretty like surface level interactions, but I enjoyed it. And like, I didn't really realize like how important those tiny little uh, interactions were, you know, until this year when like all of a sudden they became non-existent because no one was going out and everything was closed. And, uh, I, I was, you know, I just couldn't believe like how important even those subtle things are, um, having even that much of an amount of stimulation socially, uh, is important. So yeah, that's been a little rough. Uh, oddly though, I think I'm pretty used to it now, uh, which I'm not sure is a good or a bad thing. It just is. Um, and I do, you know, uh, I go out a bit right now. I mean, not really. I go to a restaurant to pick up food, you know, and that kind of thing. But yeah, 2020 is something else, y'all. I don't even know. Uh, definitely my least favorite year. Uh any time that I can think of maybe of my life. I don't know. I don't like just sitting around and, and wasting time. Not that I think that this year is totally a waste or anything, uh, in some other ways, but you know, given what I was supposed to be doing, it feels that way. Um, and you know, I've made the best of it, I think, but, uh, it's just been, you know, a difficult year. I'm, I, I try to stay positive. I try to stay within the perspective of, I am fortunate that no one I know super well has gotten sick or died. And I have my health, um, granted a couple pounds heavier, <laughs> but, uh, don't worry y'all. I've been working on that too. I think I've actually already lost weight. Like I said, it's always been a thing. I don't know what kind of body type that is, but man, it's almost comical. I feel like how easily it's a catch 22. It's, it's like, people are like, Oh, I wish I could lose weight easily. And it's like, ah, cause here's the thing about that is if you can lose weight easily, you can also gain weight easily. And I feel like, man, if I'm not really fucking careful about what I eat, I put on weight real quick. Um, so it's a catch 22, you know, you take the bad with the good, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, in general guys, uh, if, uh, if you enjoyed listening to this, um, I plan on doing more. I like talking randomly. I have now spent almost an hour talking into the mic, uh, and I'm totally alone. So it's, I guess, you know, if anyone actually likes listening to it, I'll do more of them because I enjoy this kind of thing. Uh, it would be great to interact with people too. If anyone has, uh, questions or comments, uh, in relation to anything I've said on here, or if they have any particular questions relating to anything I said on here or anything else, feel free to ask them, hit me up, uh, give me an email or shoot me an email, alexrudinger at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, that's it for now, guys. Uh, yeah, that's it. Y'all have a good one. And, uh, hopefully I'll talk to you again soon. Peace.